Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the BIH Show. Football's not coming home. Freedom Day is imminent, but you still need something to listen to to get you through your journey. And that's where we come in. Not ones to blow our own trumpets, but we've got three excellent interviews for you to listen to. And it seems like the signings are flying by us. Guilford Flames bound Robert Lakovic tells us why his 14-year association with Nottingham Panthers is over. We speak to the young lady blazing a trail after becoming the first British female player drafted into the NWHL. And we also hear exclusively from the new coach at Glasgow Clan. There's plenty to come, so stay tuned to this week's BIH Show. I'm Craig Anderson and welcome to the show. Now, fans of Glasgow clan have had more reason to be concerned than most over whether their club would make it through the pandemic. As well as the virus, there's been issues around who's taking over operation of their home venue, Brayhead Arena, following the liquidation of Into, who owned and operated it until last year. Clan had been in negotiations with asset management company Global Mutual over the transfer of control, and according to the club, it's all been positive. But while we await the finer details, it's important to point out they are in the hands of their respective legal teams to sort out. But while that's going on, Clan have had the assurances they need to proceed and prepare for the new season, and earlier this week saw them finally fill the head coach position, which had been vacant for 15 months since Zach Fitzgerald left. The new man is Malcolm Cameron, a 51-year-old Canadian who's positively buzzing at coming to a country which holds a personal connection for him. I found out more about him when I had the chance to chat to him earlier this week, and he was very excited to be taking over in Glasgow. 
Very excited. Uh, I, I love new challenges. You know, uh, when I when I left co college coaching and went to professional hockey, that was a new challenge. When I left the Central Hockey League, went to the ECHL, that was a different challenge. When I went to the Western Hockey League and coached Major Junior, that was a different challenge. So I love different challenges. I love meeting new people and I love experiencing new things as a uh, you know, as you get to be, uh, you know, an older experienced coach, you learn to take more in, you know, I think when I was younger, I wish I would have experienced, uh, you know, the cities that I visited a little bit more than I did, you know, and, and the rink and the food and the different places. But now, you know, I got a chance to coach in Italy for a brief time and then Romania, which I never thought I would ever go to. <laughs> it was never uh, even a thought of uh, at, at the time, but it was a wonderful experience. The people were great. Uh, the Hungarian culture and, and things like that were uh, something I never experienced before. So I uh, was quite, quite enthralled uh, with learning, you know, different cultures and, and stuff. For, for me, coming to Scotland is, is kind of at the top of my bucket list because of my heritage. I'm uh, obviously, as you can tell by my name, Malcolm Angus Cameron, I'm about as Scottish as it comes. I <laughs> uh, grew up in Nova Scotia, which uh, for people, uh, to know is, is Gaelic from New Scotland. Uh, my family come over in the 1800s, settled in the island of Cape Breton. And uh, uh, when I was a kid, we, you know, very proud of the the Cameron clan and the tartan wore it proudly. Uh, I had a scarf and a toque and a pair of mittens all with our, our tartan on it. And uh, I even had a, a little set of toy bagpipes when I was a kid. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, when I first took this job, the first guy I called was my father because he's uh, uh, his name's Angus Cameron and, uh, you know, very Scottish as well. And he was really happy and uh, he's going to get a chance to come over and visit. Is that something you're, you're going to look a bit more closely at your, your heritage and your ancestry as well? Find out a bit more about that while you're here? Absolutely. Uh, actually, when I was doing the uh, the interview with Jerry not a, while, not a while back, I actually called my dad online to find out uh, exactly <laughs> where our ancestors came from in Scotland. Because uh, uh, with a, a family member who was a professor at Dalhousie University, they were able to trace it back uh, to as early as 1800. And uh, our family came over from the island of Tiree and uh, settled in Cape Breton. So uh, I'd like to have a chance to actually go up there and visit. Uh, Jerry was telling me it's about five hours. You know, he was describing it as a long drive. I'm going, boy, you've never been on a bus trip in North America where some of them are 24 hours, you know, and you're going for three weeks at a time. So five hours is nothing. <laughs> I go there, I almost do that with my eyes closed. <laughs> so just in general terms what ticks your boxes when it comes to deciding on a new on a new destination Scotland is obviously that, that little bit more special as, as you've just indicated but in general terms when, when you're looking at a new post what do you look for well the, the from my my understanding I've had lots of players play over in the in the uh, in the elite league uh, that have gone over come back and gone back over again the experience that they all had was outstanding they said they really enjoyed the hockey the hockey style was very similar to here in North America because uh, you know you're allowed a lot a lot of imports so uh, and a lot of them are you know Canadian US players that have played in the ECHL AHL so the style is is somewhat similar perhaps more so than any other European league um, that was very attractive uh, the fact that you know like I said my my heritage my mother's side is all from from England my grandmother came over from London uh, as a child, I got lots of family in London as well. So to have a chance to, to you know, to visit 
uh, a place where I have roots and uh, certainly was attractive, but uh, just, you know, more or less the style of play, I think, uh, you know, it's just really attractive. I like that hard no style of play, uh, you know, the, that North American culture of hockey uh, that is very prevalent in the UK. So that was very, very attractive. And of course, as for the club itself, what, what have you learned about the, the Glasgow clan? You'll be aware, obviously, there's been a few issues off the ice in the, in the last year or so. But before that, what have you learned about the, the club and, and the area you're going to? Well, it, 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 I've talked to several players that have played there who said it's an awesome city, just a you know, great place to be. And, and you can experience so many different things. Uh, good fan base. I've seen some game footage on, on YouTube. And uh, even before I took the job, I, I've seen the arena. The arena, you know, looks like a great spot. And uh, the fan base that they get for the games looks like it's going to be pretty rowdy and uh, pretty, you know, it looks like having an extra man on the ice when you have that kind of fan base. So, uh, and and I love meeting the fans and meeting new people. So, uh, very attractive. I love that atmosphere when your fans are into the game and they're enjoying themselves and they appreciate the work that the players are putting in on the ice. Uh, you know, it, it really energizes your bench, energizes you as a coach. So I'm looking forward to getting in that atmosphere. What was it like for you working as a coach over the last year in Romania, given that the circumstances we're all having to face with, with COVID? What was it like from your point of view? It was awful, to be honest with you. <laughs> Last year was, uh, I mean, just the travel to get over there too was was very difficult. Uh, uh, I'm a Canadian citizen to live in the United States here. I have my green card and I pretty much lived in the U.S. the last 20 some odd years of my life. But uh, when they booked my flight to come over, we were having training camp in Budapest I went from Florida to Washington, D.C. to, to um, uh, Switzerland and was detained in Switzerland and not allowed to transfer or enter the country, even though I was Canadian, but I came on a U.S.-based flight. So they sent me back. So I ended up going from Switzerland back to Washington, back to Florida, sat for 24 hours, booked a flight from uh, Florida to Toronto, quarantined there for one night, flew to Frankfurt, flew to Budapest. So I pretty much went around the world in about a two and a half day span. Uh, we had training camp. Uh, the season was supposed to start, I think it was the third week of August. It got pushed back several times because some teams were irresponsibly going out and doing things and gatherings and teams were getting COVID. So what was supposed to be about a 21 day training camp turned out to be 63 days of training camp. And, you know, I felt bad for the players because, you know, to, to keep them mentally, we, you know, we come up with the most creative ways to keep them engaged every day, but players want to play games. They don't want to practice every day. And, you know, you, nobody carries a large enough roster where if, even if you do a scrimmage game, uh, you're able to mimic a game situation because you've only got two lines per team or two and a half lines per team. The pace of your scrimmages goes down pretty quick as the guys get tired. So um, and that was a challenge, you know, and, uh, you know, coming off our, our first road trip, we had a number of players actually during training camp, we had a num number of players come down with COVID uh, on the road. We weren't even home uh, being in Budapest a big challenge, you know, the first road trip had five players, another five came down with COVID. So it was, uh, it was tough. No question. So in general, I'm keen to know what sort of philosophies you have as a coach. What are the key principles you have when it comes to leading a team? 
Well, for me, I, I believe in preparation. That's probably the biggest thing. Uh, I like to prepare my teams to face any challenges that the opponent's going to throw at us. So I, I study, you know, obviously for a lot of film with the other team in preparation for our games and uh, break them down to exploit their weaknesses and, and utilize our strengths. And uh, I want to make sure that the players are prepared for any situation, you know, whether it's a defensive zone face-off that they run or a special ozone face-off that they run, how their power play works, how they're going to, they're exiting the zone, what their tendencies are. And then you build your strategy around combating those and make them have to change. Uh, I'm not a big believer in changing my structure or my systems. I want teams to have to do that to beat it, to try and beat us and get them out of their element. So, you know, for me, I want a, I want a team. Everybody says hardworking, so I don't ever use that cliche. You expect your players, the professionals, to work hard every day. But for me, the, the culture and identity of the clan is going to be a team that's very tough to play against every night. That, you know, we're going to, phys- we're going to be physical. We're going to win battles. We're going to go to the net. We're going to take care of the front of ours. We, we want to be a team that gets to first to loose pucks and wins those foot races and the battles once we get there. And that everybody will know at the end of the game uh, that they, they were in for a tough one. And that we were, you know, we gave everything that we had in, in terms of our skill level and our compete level to win a hockey game. Now, I touched on the fact there's been issues off the ice for, for the last year, one of which is obviously the, the ownership of the arena. By all accounts, uh, it's looking very positive from a clan point of view. Have you had any concerns about whether that will hinder your job in the short term or have you had the assurances you need that everything will be okay and you can just crack on? Well, no, everything's go ahead, full steam. So uh, as far as that goes, uh, obviously, you know, it's a little bit later start in recruiting because teams have been on this for a couple of months now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to lose some players uh, to other competitors within the league or even North America or Europe that maybe were on your wish list. But there's a lot of players out there globally. So, you know, uh, you don't stress over the, you know, you never stress over the ones you didn't get. You focus on the ones you're going to try and get. And there's lots of players still out there for sure. Uh, I mean, since I took the job, you know, last Thursday, I've been on the phone constantly, either text, WhatsApp, email, <laughs> like video calls, whatever it's been you know, to get a little bit of a landscape catching up of what's out there. Uh, certainly, you know, I know what our needs are. Uh, and then you you find out what your needs are, and then you target players to fill those needs. So I, I certainly plan on moving very quickly. Um, you know, I, I would say that we're, we're close with a number of players already, uh, just within a short period of about four days, because um, I wanted to get some, some – uh, obviously some traction out there to be able to show other potential players that we we're building and we're doing it quickly. And we want guys to be that want to be a part of this. So uh, I'm very pleased by, uh, you know, where we're at today, given the, the short, <laughs> the short time that I've had on the job and uh, expect, expect continued progress. And have you already started keeping tabs on the other teams as well and what they're up to? I dare say that's, that must come into your thinking as well, just to see what you'll be up against. No, no, I've never done that, really. At the end of the day, you got to focus on your team. Uh, if you're worried about somebody else's team, then your team's not going to be in good shape. So uh, I can't control what other teams do, and I've never cared what other teams do. I focus on the 20 guys or so that are right in front of me and trying to get the very best out of them uh, so that our, you know, we have the best chance of winning and our fans can be proud of the team that they're watching on the ice. So, um, 
you know, if there's a guy that maybe I really wanted or was working hard at and I lose him to somebody else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, but you dust yourself off and you move on. And uh, the biggest part of, you know, coaching here in North America at the ECHL level is the recruitment factor. So, you know, I've been doing this a long time, whether it was university hockey in Canada where we had to recruit or the 14 or 15 years I coached pro here in North America. That's all I've ever had to do. I had to recruit players for Romania as well. So, um, you know, this is nothing new for me. And we just, uh, we focus on the next step each and every day. The main thing I'm getting from you, Malcolm, as I speak to you is the enthusiasm you've got for the job already. You've only been in the job a few days and that, that's really rubbing off as well. The fans will get excited by that, I'm sure. I love to coach. I mean, uh, honestly, it's just, I've been very blessed. Uh, I graduated university uh, in 1993. I won a national championship. My last game as a player uh, at Acadia University in, uh, in, in Canada. And then I played five years pro and I've been coaching ever since. So this is my 24th year of pro coaching, uh, you know, coaching for a living, played five years pro. So it's almost three decades, you know, since I graduated college and uh, very blessed. You know, I don't take it for granted ever, you know, that I've had a chance to be involved in what my passion is. And that's the game of hockey. And, you know, uh, I, I know several guys that, uh, you know, were longtime coaches that got out of it for a year and it's hard to get back in once you get out. So you never take it for granted and uh, you want to be proud of the job that you've done. And, and certainly if you're not enthusiastic about it, it's time to get out. And for me, I love the recruiting war. I love getting on the phone and talking to people and, and, and pitching our program and telling people about what we're trying to build. Uh, I've always loved that part of the game. And then seeing all the fruits of your labor come together in the first day on the ice, there's nothing like it. Welcome back to the BIHO, the podcast from British Ice Hockey and part of the Sports Social Network. Before the break, you heard from new Glasgow clan coach Malcolm Cameron, and he's clearly looking forward to his new challenge in the Elite League. Now, in recent years, the UK has been making its mark on the sport of ice hockey in different but brilliant ways. In 2018, Liam Kirk was drafted to the NHL by Arizona Coyotes. The last two world championships have seen GB charm the watching audience with their plucky displays. And now we have another prospect about to go off to North America after being drafted in the NWHL. GB international Casey Trail has spent the last two years at Castleton University in the women's NCAA and has also impressed for the GB team whenever she's played. Now, a new adventure awaits in North America after she was picked in the fifth round, 25th overall by Buffalo Buttes, making her the first female player to achieve this from these shores. It's an exciting time ahead, so I had the chance to talk to her about what lies ahead. It's exciting stuff. I'm really excited to see what's in the future for me. Now tell us about the process behind it. How did you? How did your name get involved in that? And tell us about the night itself when you you, you found out you were getting picked. Uh, well, I'm not really sure how my name ended up in the mix, but um, they spoke to one of my coaches at uni and just asked if I was interested in playing pro. And obviously, my coach at uni was all for it and hyped me up to myself so that I was ready for when they called me. And we just talked about the program and stuff and what they had to offer, what I had to offer. And yeah, they called my name on the night of the draft and it was just so exciting. I'm still nerve wracking a bit of both really. And what was it like hearing your name, you know, getting picked when you were? I mean, that must have been, that must have been an amazing feeling. Yeah, it was great. It was definitely nerve wracking being so late in the draft, but it was just, I knew they had one pick left and they had expressed interest. But when you see all the other names of the girls that get picked, I was like, oh, 
not really sure I have a chance here, but when they heard my name, it was just like utter relief, but then excitement and just nerves still for now. No, I've got to go out there, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> a bit of everything, really. And I think the draft went on through the night, obviously, you know, the time difference and things like that. Did you stay up for it or did you wait until the next morning? Were you too nervous? Uh, did you even sleep that night? No, I, I stayed up for it. It started at midnight hour time. And by the time my name was called, it was about one o'clock in the morning. So, you know, I wanted to hear it firsthand if I, if I had made it. So <laughs> stayed up and waited nervously. <laughs> <laughs> and did you anticipate that the fact that maybe you might not get picked? You know, did, did, did you entertain that at any point? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think I was thinking I wasn't going to get picked more than I was. I was just kind of excited that they noticed me in general. So I was just sitting, waiting, hoping the whole time. And, and I knew I had some sort of a shot. So there was a little bit of hope there. But then there was that voice in the back of my head saying, oh, it's not you. It's not you. But <laughs> thank God it was. <laughs> and of course, you're, you're familiar already with, with life in North America. You were with the Castleton University. Excuse the ice cream van going by right now. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what was that like for the last two years, you know, building your game up, getting your, getting yourself a bit more experience, getting game time, of course, bearing in mind the last year has been pretty pretty badly affected by the, the virus? Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, I played the first three years I played there was all the regular season. It was only the last one that was affected. So definitely got lots of games playing out there and it just made me a better player, more well-rounded. It's a quicker game there, a smarter game. You had to adapt to be able to play and I'm glad that I went there because I've definitely improved like on and off the ice, just all round. What did you study when you were over there out of interest? Um, I studied kinesiology and athletic training. So like sports therapy, like study of wow. movements, that sort of stuff. Excellent. And of course, an experience like that, invaluable to, to someone like yourself so young as well. How, how much has that stood you in good stead for, for what's going to come? Uh, a lot, I, I hope. <laughs> guess I'm about to find out I feel like I'm well prepared prepared enough so just hoping for the best now and of course there's a real feel-good factor around ice hockey in, in this country right now you had Liam Kirk obviously drafted to the NHL three years ago now he's got his entry-level contract as well as we speak the GB national team particularly the men's team have done very well in the world championships we'll talk about the, the women's team in just a second but it must be nice to keep that that feel-good factor going from your point of view Oh yeah, definitely. We've had so many successes recently and people are starting to take notice and it's it's nice to be able to put the women's hockey side up there with the men's and hopefully we'll be following in their footsteps next. It's just, it's great to be getting the coverage and like getting noticed. It just makes us stronger as a team, really. I think I saw a tweet from Liam, unless he, he, he came to you directly, just, you know, wishing you his congratulations and, and things mm -hmm. like that. That must have been a nice feeling as well, given that, you know, Liam's been through that same process. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, there's no doubt that he worked hard to get where he is and he's at the top of his game at the minute and I'm, I hope he gets everything that he wishes for and I'm sure he will and it was nice for him to to reach out. Yeah, it definitely meant a lot. So what's the process now then? Buffalo Buttes is the, the team you'll be going to. I take it they've been in touch to, to give you a schedule of what's going to happen in the next little while. Can you give us some insight into that? Yeah, so a lot of the girls are signing for the upcoming season. I won't be doing that uh, because I've got to deal with injury over the next season. So my plan is just to heal, get bigger, faster, stronger over the next year or two. And then hopefully once I'm back to full fitness, they're ready to take us and I'll head on out over there. Oh, nothing too serious, I hope, injury-wise. Uh, no, I, I, we're thinking I need some surgeries done on my hips, but nothing nothing that's going to stop yeah. me playing forever. Just need some TLC, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. We all need a bit of that. So... <laughs> In, in terms of that, then, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a time before you, you can get together with them. What, what do you do between now and then? Just 
what are you doing by way of, of work or keeping yourself busy? Um, well, I'm playing for Whitley Bay Women's Ice Hockey Team at the minute, so I'm still playing as much as I can. Obviously, I'm still trialling for Great Britain. I'm hoping to keep playing as much as I can through the treatment process. Um, I work at Weatherspoons part-time to make some money, and uh, I've applied to finish my Masters at Northumbria, uh, which would start in January, so just waiting to see if I get in there. So it's, it's not too boring at the minute, but <laughs> hopefully... <laughs> Now the women's game, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's it's kind of stayed still, you know, because of what's happened with the virus. We've not been able to, you know, to see you play and, you know, get a, a tournament behind you. The Olympics is the next one coming up as well. Is is there any chance for you making that one, or is it just um, again just biding your time and waiting to get fit again? Um, I'm hoping so. I have been doing the trials. We've got another one on Friday. My my game plan is to play as the highest standard I can while I'm going through the treatment for as long as I can. If I'm lucky enough to get picked and I'm fit enough to play, then I'd absolutely love to be there. And obviously, if my body doesn't hold out, then I, at least I gave it a shot sort of thing. I know I gave it everything. So I, I'm I'm trying to hold out for it, but it's just kind of taking it day by day for now. And have you heard from the new coach yet? Mike Clancy took over from uh, Cheryl Smith. Has he been in touch to to talk to you about his plans for, for the team going forward? Um, yeah, we had a camp last week and um, got all the girls together and it was great. And he, he's got some big plans for us and I'm looking forward to seeing if he executes along with the rest of us so I'm hoping that we've got big things coming for us just like the men's and of course we're hopeful of seeing the GB women's team in due course the Olympics aside world championships as well what would it mean for 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 your team you know the, the GB team to get back on the ice get back playing again it must be so frustrating that we're nearly 18 months into this thing and you know you guys sadly aren't, aren't much further forward yeah, yeah, definitely. It's frustrating for everybody. I mean, I definitely had it lucky because I got to play last season. A lot of people didn't. So I'm definitely more fortunate than others. But it's just even from the last session that we had at GB, everyone's just so like, ecstatic to be together and playing together and competing again. And I don't think that people can take that away from us, that no matter when we get back, we're just we're still going to have that sort of grit to us. And hopefully it's going to pay off when we get to Worlds and bring back a gold about time, really. <laughs> You're listening to the BIH Show for British Ice Hockey, part of the Sports Social Network. NWHL draftee Casey Trail on what lies ahead for her, and we're looking forward to watching her career with great interest. Now we're all getting excited for the new season after so long without our favourite sport, and the teams have been making their moves, recruiting Brits and imports alike as their teams start to take shape. One of the most surprising moves we saw was Robert Larkovitz leaving Nottingham Panthers after 14 years with the club to join Paul Dixon's Guildford Flames. Now, as someone who was very much in with the bricks, he's been there and done it all. A league title, multiple Challenge Cups, multiple playoff titles, a Continental Cup, and more recently, the Elite Series, Larkovitz was at the centre of the success the club has had down the years. But now a new chapter is starting for him, and he was good enough to talk to me about his move and why his long association with his hometown club was coming to an end. And I began by asking him what it was like to be a Guildford Flames player after so long at the Panthers. Um, I don't think I can tell quite yet. Obviously, I'm still home here in Nottingham, so um, still kind of feels like a regular off-season. But... Um, yeah, I'm excited to get down there and see what it's all about. I've heard plenty of good things and, you know, the style of hockey they play there, uh, it, I like it. I think it would suit me. So, yeah, kind of can't wait to to get down there and get started. Now, it's been 14 years you, you've played for the Panthers. It's your hometown team as well. How big a range was it to decide to, to move on? Well, um, 
wasn't fully my decision. Um, the, I think the the way the league's gone now with the imports and the new rules that are kind of they didn't basically have room for me in Nottingham anymore. Um, so yeah, I kind of I didn't hear from Nottingham for a while after the the Elite Series and the World Championships, um, which I didn't take as a great sign. So kind of I reached out to Guildford quite early doors. Um, we had a lot of, well, quite a few good conversations with uh, with Paul Dixon, um, and kind of things went from there. Yeah, and of course, Guildford are building their team quite nicely. Some good names coming in as well. You're going to be in some good company there. Yeah, I say they they seem to be able to keep a good core there. They've got a lot of guys that have have been there before, and they build around it. Say so, um, the style of hockey they play. I think it suits me. Um, and I think I can bring bring some good stuff to them. So hopefully it's a kind of partnership that will work well. Let's look back on last season then. Quite a, a strange season, I think we're, we're in full agreement on that. You had that spell with Telford in the, in the Spring Cup, which yep. I know was an experience you enjoyed back at Nottingham for the Elite Series, the World Championships uh, as well. How do you look back on, on the last few months and, and everything you've experienced in that time? Um, yeah, very different hockey year I guess um but to be honest I, I really enjoyed it um and I was away in Germany for a little bit uh before Christmas so that was different good experience you know come back have a few months off uh played for Telford in the, the spring cup um felt like I'd never been on the ice before <laughs> um and then yeah the the elite series it was kind of the year was chopped up a lot, but I think a lot of good hockeyers played. The Elite Series was great. It was nice to see that many Brits out there getting quality ice time, um, situations they wouldn't normally get. Um, so that was enjoyable. Um, and obviously it got the national team guys out on the ice and we needed that before going and playing against the Russians and, and the rest of the, the quality players out of the World Championship. So, yeah, it was different, but I think, Different isn't always bad, and I think a lot of guys enjoyed kind of the the way it turned out. Obviously, not the way it started. Going back to Telford, there seemed to be a mix of of NIHL players, established players at that level, and elite league players coming down, just getting some ice time. You were obviously one of them. What was it like to play in, in that tournament? Given that there was that mixture, how did you find that? Um, again, I really enjoyed it. Um, Telford it was a great place to be. Obviously, knew a few of the guys there already that have played elite league before or have played against um, through the years. So, you know, they're a great bunch of guys. Everyone very welcoming, and you know, it kind of took you back to when you play as a youngster and you play because you enjoy it. Um, I think I'm sure some of the guys there weren't making a load of money, and I guess no one was really. So. It's kind of nice to be there and everyone just wanted to be there to play hockey. And I think you felt that a lot. Everyone was enjoying it, just being out on the ice, especially after everything that had gone on previously in the year. So say it was it was a lot of fun and kind of it showed you how much you missed hockey when we weren't able to do it. And of course, playing in, in somewhat different circumstances, you had to deal with the social distancing side of it, constant testing as well, making sure you, you were fit and healthy and the guys round about you were, were fit and healthy as well. How, how long did that take to, to adapt to those guidelines? Um, 
I wouldn't say too long, to be honest. You kind of, that was the rule, so that's what you had to do. Um, obviously, if you forgot and you kind of forget your mask or you end up sitting next to someone in the dressing room to have a chat, kind of, there's always someone there to point you back in the right direction. Um, but I say, we were so happy to be playing again that, um, I mean, you do do whatever you're told to enable that to happen. And of course, uh, the World Championships as well. You were in, in Riga for a couple of weeks. I don't think you guys got out of the hotel much, if at all. Um, but again, being back at that level up against those teams, were you much better prepared for it this time? Um, say it was so different to the first tournament with all the, the restrictions and kind of, yeah, as you said, we were kind of locked away in the hotel and there was almost too much downtime. You know, there was, you're sitting in your room on your own a lot of the time. Um, and then down at the rink again, all the, the restrictions and you can't go here, you can't go there. Whereas normally we'd love to go and watch the other teams practice and kind of be around that buzzing atmosphere. But say it was different, but it was good. I think we had quite a lot of new guys that hadn't been there before at that level. Um, so it was good for them to see. Say we're going to be there again next year, so hopefully um, it'll be a little bit more back to normal. But yeah, it was it was obviously a, a great experience out there, and I mean the standard of hockey speaks for itself. And the fact there was no relegation this year did that mean did that mean you could play with a certain freedom? You didn't have that looming over you. You could maybe enjoy it a little bit more. Honestly, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, the hockey's so good. The hockey's so good there that we played it exactly as we would have as, as if we were would be able to be relegated. Um, you know, we, we didn't want to finish last, even though we could have done with no kind of bad outcome. And I think that showed in the way we play and we wanted to win games and we built on how we played last year and kind of we got we got those results and for the second year running, we, we didn't come bottom. So, say... So, Next year again, we'll be looking to to build on that again. As I say, Guildford coming up next year. How, how good is it to be looking forward to a full season again? It feels as though it's been a long time since we were in this position where we're basically counting down the days. Yeah, it's great. Um, I say, always at the end of a season, you're looking forward to a little bit of time off, but I don't think anyone's in that boat this year. So to get a starting date and kind of you know when you've got to be there and you go through your whole off-season routines and yeah it's nice to to know there's a start date hopefully fans will be packing the arenas out again and um yeah we can we can only hope that it will it will last that long and it will be a regular season again is it going to be weird going back to nottingham as an opposition player i'm sure it will be yeah um I'll have to let you know after I've come back. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, it's going to be fun. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's hockey. And um, I'll play I'll play every game as, as I always have done and enjoy it. And, yeah, hopefully we'll be on the winning side in Guildford this, this year. Now, I was going to ask you about your highlights from your time at Nottingham and obviously things like the Continental Cup win and winning the league and the Grand Slam and things were, are going to, obvious, going to be obvious answers, so I'm not going to go that, down that line. What I will ask you is, what is the biggest thing you'll miss from your time at Nottingham? 
Um, I think it's got to be the people, the people there. It's it's such a, or it always has been such a good environment. You know, the off-ice staff, um, the players that have been around a while, you kind of, we got a solid, we had a solid base there and um, it was always so, just so much fun to be at the rink and, I mean, I'm sure that's one of the main reasons that I've been there so long is that I enjoyed going in there every day and seeing the people and having a good time. And I think that's the biggest thing. You you got to enjoy what you do. And um, yeah, that was that was definitely probably the highlight for me is just having such a long period of time enjoying what I was doing. And of course, signing off with a trophy is obviously the ideal way to go, having won the Elite Series as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess finish on a high. That's, that's what you're meant to do. So no complaints there. I've got to ask you, Robert, as an Englishman, obviously the, the nation was gripped by uh, Euros fever. England reached the final where they ultimately lost to, to Italy. I think you said to me, you're, you're not a big football fan as such, but a lot of, sort of non-football fans were really getting into the spirit of it. How did you How did you mark the occasion? Did you get? Did you even watch it? Yeah, well, yeah I, watched it. I watched the whole tournament and you can't, it's hard not to get sucked into the to the hype. Um, and obviously watching the football and the way the team was playing, you know, it kind of kind of reminded me a bit of the GB team where um, Southgate's kind of, he's got his game plan and he's sticking to it no matter what the fans kind of expect or want. And, you know, it worked for the most part. It's worked in the, in the last World Cup and in the Euros now, so... I mean, hopefully you'll be able to to stick around and again build on what what he's made there. And you know, the players obviously love him, and they have a a good group and a good understanding. So I kind of related to it a lot from our GB team. And um, yeah, they're obviously unfortunate not to come away with the trophy this time. But again, I think they're building and they're kind of aiming in the right direction. So you know, next year with the World Cup, you never know. I was going to equate that to your own experience, the fact that, you know, whenever there's a world championship on the amount of support you guys get, and I know you're on social media, you see the messages, you see the, the tweets and things like that. And as a Scotsman, even I can appreciate the, the build up and support that the, the England team got as well. I mean, how, how much of a boost does that give you when you go into a game knowing that it's not just the fans in the arena, or as it has been in the past, but the fact the whole nation yeah. is right behind you? Yeah, it, it kind of gives you that. It is, it's a boost. It's, you want you want to do it for yourselves, obviously you want to do it for your teammates, but knowing that there's that many people behind you also wishing you the best and wanting you to do that well, it it, it kind of gives you that bit more energy and a bit more drive to kind of to achieve that. It's it's kind of it's something special to to kind of witness that and you know have people want wanting that for you. So what's the plan now for the rest of the, the summer? We're looking at a September start. We're now in the middle of July. Has preparations already begun for the new season? Get yourself in shape again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to have to find myself a new gym here because I don't think I can uh, use the team one anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been out this morning with uh, Ollie and Stevie Lee and Joe Hazeldine. Like, we're all local here and kind of pushing each other to, to come into the season in the best shape we can be, you know, at the minute we're, we're British guys and we want to push each other to, to elevate our game. So we've got a good group here in Nottingham that we can kind of do our, 
uh, summer training with. So basically it's going to be that for the next couple of months. And as I say, we're all going to come into the season in as good a shape as we can be. Welcome back to the BIH show, part of the Sports Social Network, the UK's first dedicated sport podcast network. Find the next show you'll love or join the team at www.sport-social.co.uk. Before the break, we heard from Robert Rakovitz, one of the new faces for Guildford Flames next season. Now, before we go, we want to tell you about some new sponsorship opportunities with British Ice Hockey. We'd love to hear from you if you'd be interested in coming on board with us. For further information, drop us an email at news at britishicehockey.co.uk. And among other things, you could hear your company's name on the BIH show. As always, news and articles can be found on britishicehockey.co.uk. We're also on social media, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Brit Ice Hockey, or follow me on Twitter at BIH Craig, and we're also on Twitter too, at British Ice Hockey. My thanks this week go to Robert Markovitz, Malcolm Cameron and Casey Trail for their time, and we'll be back soon for another new episode of the BIH Show, and I'll talk to you then. Take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.